0: It's noon here in Vintner City, New Jersey, and this is news that you can use, or as some have suggested, news that you can snooze from Car Edge with your hosts, Ray and Zach, well, for the last day of August in 2023, August 31st. It's a Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, and... uh, How are you today, Hanson?
1: I am doing great. All right, friendly reminder, today is the last day of the month. Last, Oh, no, it's not the last day of our sale, but it is coming up to the end of our our 20% off of everything, $100 off. Vehicle service contracts back at CarEdge.com. And a friendly reminder for all the dealers out there that are interested in working with us, we are working on the CarEdge Trusted Dealer Network, CarEdge.com slash trusted to learn more about that. That being said, Dad, we are kicking things off today with the affordability crisis getting even worse. I'm going to pick on the big three here in the United States in a moment. Before we do, the latest data from AAA just came out that they do an annual cost to own a new car. Yes. The headline reads, annual new car ownership costs surge above $12,000. We focus frequently here on car prices. The Mm -hmm. actual cost to just own the doggone thing and maintain it, repair it, insure it, finance it, fuel it the cost to own a car are now over $12,000 on average, which translates to that. Yes. Let me just read you this little piece right here. Make that nice and big for everyone. Been a, uh, AAA has been a reliable data source for figures associated with owning and operating a brand new vehicle for more than seven decades. Based on the latest figures, the average cost of owning and operating a new vehicle in 2023 has increased significantly with the annual expense of $12,182 or a monthly cost of one thousand and fifteen dollars. Wow, you know what's you know what's even more amazing? What's that? Is there
0: is about twenty percent of people out there who have entered into a new car loan whose monthly loan payment is a thousand dollars or more. Twenty percent. So uh
1: but this is saying the average when you factor everything in.
0: For, I, I for think the that average, average person, yeah, but I think the average is going to go up. This is twenty
1: twenty two cost. Of, yes. Yeah, you're right. This is not 2023. It's going to go up substantially
0: because, you know, in the past, um, if there were if if it was eight or nine percent of the people that had that had uh, a car payment of of a thousand dollars or more, it was a lot. Now it's close to twenty percent. So if one in five auto loans have a car payment somewhere uh, over $1,000 a month, that number's got to go up. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that number's closer to thirteen dollars or $13,500 in reality um, because obviously the cost of automobile insurance is going up because, well, the cost of automobiles has gone up. The cost of, of repair if you have an accident has gone up because the cost of the parts has gone up, the cost of the labor has yep. gone up. So insurance premiums are going up. We know gas has gotten more expensive. Yep. Um, the cost of maintenance has gone up. It's, it, it, you know, I'm thinking legitimately it's, it's well above $13,000 when you factor in, the 20% of the public out there has a car payment of $1,000 or more.
1: All right, we've got Joseph here in the chat saying, yelling, is that if you own the car outright? No. And so let's talk about it. You're hitting on some of the factors that contribute to a a car payment, a total car payment. Let's look at them all together here, Dad. Where AAA is seeing the largest growth? Let me read this right here. Furthermore, a high sticker price directly impacts finance costs. Mm -hmm. With this year's vehicles boasting an average annual finance charge, of $1,253, a 90% increase from the previous year. So what's one area where we're seeing a material impact in terms of what the overall cost to own a car is? A 90% increase in finance expense year over year. It's also likely driven by...
0: Wouldn't that have something to do with the fact that interest rates have gone from from 3% on new cars to over 9%? Totally, totally, totally.
1: All right, but here we go, Pops depreciation, which is the difference between the car's value upon purchase and the value of the car when sold, according to this year's YDC projections, new vehicles are expected to depreciate by an average of $4,538 per year over five years of ownership, up 24% compared to 2022. That's another area where we're seeing the cost to own a vehicle go up significantly. Uh We're saying that in one year's time, the overall amount of depreciation that a car is going to experience went up 25%, 24%. That's astronomical. Yeah, that'd be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is saying that over five years, you're going to lose $22,000 in value on average on the car that you just purchased. Wow. While you're paying 90% more to finance it for more than five years, most likely.
0: Doesn't sound like a recipe for success for those who are buying a car.
1: The jump in new vehicle prices up almost $1,600 compared to used vehicle values that have experienced a decline in the past year. So that's another reason why uh, annual costs have gone gone up. Automakers across the board have focused on producing more oversized, luxurious, and expensive vehicles loaded with extra features that bump up prices even more. So here's where we're going to run to next step. Okay. No automakers are or are more guilty than that than the big three here in the United States. Ford's average transaction prices have never been higher. The average transaction price of a Ford from the most recent quarterly data we have is fifty six thousand two hundred and seventy dollars. We don't know how to do the slope equation live on the show, but the slope of this line is up and to the right. Okay, it's positive. Yeah. Dad, the average transaction price for the F-Series pickup truck, $66,013. That's Ford. Okay. Let me let me give you GM. GM, the average transaction price at GM is significantly lower than Ford, $4,000 lower at $52,400. And $51, but again, the slope of these lines up and to the right. And when you look at Chevrolet, for example, their average transaction price has gone from well below $40,000 to nearly $50,000. And then no automaker is more guilty than Stellantis of going up market. The average transaction price for a Stellantis product, that is Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and even Fiat. $55,577, if I'm not mistaken here. Jeep's average transaction price up to $53,000. Where's the Ram on here? Ram had the highest average transaction price at $62,058. The $1,500 is a $65,000 pickup truck.
0: No, well, it's not. It's just the price is $65,000, the average transaction
1: price. But it's not a $65,000 pickup truck. So what do you make of the data from AAA, Dad? I guess it sounds like you think it's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of ongoing um, constraints on affordability for not just purchasing vehicles, but owning them as
0: well. well. But we've been saying it forever. You know, that, that's one of the things we've talked about when when we talk about vehicle affordability and and how people should allocate money when it comes to their, their vehicles. Um, you know, we have... My ten, what I call the ten percent rule, uh, that no more than ten percent of your monthly gross income should go to a, a car. So if if your monthly gross income is six thousand dollars, ten percent would be six hundred. Well, that has to include the car payment. That has to include the insurance. That has to include gas and maintenance. It doesn't include depreciation, um, but. At at those average transaction prices that you just showed, there is no way for people just to keep the payment at six hundred dollars or less per month. So the American consumer is absolutely screwed, um, you know, because they're they're having to make decisions between I don't know putting food on the table and a roof over their head. Yeah and making a car payment and an insurance payment and pe- buying fuel for their vehicle. Um, which is why we see the percentage of people that can actually afford a car is lower than it's ever been. But it's still a big enough percentage that the manufacturers can,
1: well, make a very healthy living. I didn't have a queued up for today's show, but you saying what you just said sparked this thought in my mind. We saw the largest uptick in cash purchases last month that we've seen in a long time. I think yes. it was something like 30% of transactions were cash purchases, yes. which is remarkable. And that's because people are looking at the finance finance strategy and saying, no, I'd rather do a cash purchase. Yes. And we've also seen um, approvals, uh, bank approvals for finance uh, financing for for autos uh, go to their highest levels, the, the um, uh, denial rate, excuse me, go to, to its highest levels that we've seen in years. So it's harder than ever to get approved. It kind of makes sense that I'll, I'll, I'll use this as a parlay into the other story that I found yes. super interesting. Who saw this coming? So we're talking uh, about how there's an affordability crisis. Yes. Look at this data that we're about to dig into. Subprime auto ABS services build support as losses rise. Here, We're actually going to read this article because it's really good information from an industry publication, Auto Finance News. Certain servicers of subprime auto asset-backed securitization transactions are forgoing their fees and helping build credit enhancements as cumulative net losses outpace initial expectations. Let's explain like I'm five. What we are saying here is that when when paper is written, when loans are actually written, they get bundled together and they get sold as asset-backed securities. Well, now these servicers, so the banks that actually put out those offerings of ABS deals, the asset-backed securities, which again are just securities backed by auto loans, are foregoing their fees and helping build credit enhancements. They are charging the people less money. They're trying to keep more liquidity in the market because the losses on those auto loans are outpacing their expectations. Really, the, the TLDR here is that yes. there's more delinquencies happening and less people paying on their auto loans than was expected. And when you start to look at the numbers here, Dad. But here's the really f- funny part to me. What's the funny part? Ha-
0: what 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 world were they living in when they set the expectations as low as they did for the number of, of loans that were going to go bad?
1: Look at these deals. Look at these deals, gang. So these are all the different deals. These are the bundlings of loans over here on the left. All right. The expected base case percentage at closing for losses on this bundle of loans was 3.41%. It's currently 6.4%. This one was 7.34%. It's currently 16.85%. This one was 14%. It's currently at 16.77. This one was 13.88%. It's currently at 17.06. This one is expected to get to 16.56 and it's currently at 14.13. There's four losers in this race and one winner. Essentially this article is just like an alarm bell being rung saying that people have stopped paying their auto loans at in some cases, double the rate that was anticipated. Oh, yes.
0: And, and the, uh, the percentages on the right yep. are what this organization predicts will ultimately be the case. So even though the current losses now are much higher than what had been been anticipated, they're not nearly as high as they're expected to go and and every one of them was expected to cross 25% of all the loans that were bundled into Easy. these asset backed securities are expected to be bad to be delinquent um you know and 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 for them to say well the losses are greater than what we expected what world were you living in when you looked at the credit histories of the people you were approving loans for and you were approving loans up to 150 160% of book value of of the loan value
1: of the vehicle yeah i mean what what world does that does that make sense i like drew's comment here pops and the underlying asset, the car, probably isn't close to being worth what the loan was written for.
0: Oh, when, when we talk about loan-to-value ratios, if a bank is financing, if if, if the vehicle has a value of $10,000 and the bank is financing 150%, that means they're financing 15000 There's $5,000 that is uncollateralized. 50% of the value of the vehicle is uncollateralized. Seems like a bad decision on everyone's and, part. And they were doing that for people with below prime credit. Where in the past, I don't know, I I, I worked in an industry where if you had bad credit, these lenders would say, well, we won't finance more than 90% of the value of the vehicle. So your customer has to come up with crash, uh, cash or trade equity to make up the difference so that you can have a profit. And now they were just saying, well, no, we'll pay you the profit up front. Your customer is never going to be able to pay us, <laughs> but we'll pay you the profit. It would just None of it – for any lender to say, well, we didn't expect this, they're lying – in my opinion,
1: they could be lying
0: through their teeth.
1: We've got a great comment here from Beverly saying, may I suggest you get a CPI on the show that specializes in banks and credit unions? There's a new accounting pronouncement called CECL. That requires banks and credit unions to allocate more for delinquencies. Yeah, you know, we're actually thinking about one thing I'll mention on today's show. We've been talking about a little bit. I'm going to talk to some of the guys on the team this <laughs> afternoon, getting a new podcast, like a once a week podcast set up where we interview, where you interview industry experts. Like, let's get someone, you and an industry expert for an hour talking about what's going on, whether it's a CPA who works in the audit whatever. Like, we whether, do need more whether, experts. Whether it
0: be... Uh, someone from the insurance industry, whether it be someone from the buy-sell side of automobile dealerships, whatever it is, someone from the, the service side.
1: I'm just throwing out there, Igor, if you're in the chat today, you would probably be one of the first people we'd want to interview <laughs> You, you, were, you. He owned, what, 30 dealerships? More than one. That's, More than that's, one, yes. Yeah, uh, so we get, probably want to ask you some questions. Yeah, there it is. It. Thank you. Thank and, you, and, Igor. And, you know,
0: I have I have seen comments about, well, who, who does Igor think he is? And I and I thought to myself, I don't know. Here's a guy that, that owned like 30 dealerships, sold them for a billion
1: dollars. <laughs> okay. In your opinion, a billion dollars.
0: No, the, the <laughs> amount was a billion dollars. Um, and, and and then people wonder, well, who was who he? I don't know. He he has had a a pretty damn successful career in the anyway, automotive. The,
1: space. the idea behind that podcast would be to bring on industry professionals who can share their stories, how they got into it, and obviously educate us as we uh, as we navigate these turbulent times. Let's go to the chat for a couple minutes here, Dad, and then we've got a few other stories from Ford. Yeah, I would love then, to just sit down and yeah, industry. Yes. I, I think industry insiders is what we should call it.
0: I, I think that's great. And
1: and, and the insider, I guess.
0: And I I mean, yeah, we could do it as a podcast, but it would almost be fun. You might think I'm crazy when I suggest this, but it would almost be fun to be able to travel to wherever they are, sit down, have lunch, film the lunch and the conversation for an hour an hour and an i hour. love it my
1: only issue with that is you're not paying for the travel i'll pay oh, for you? the travel You'll, you're not gonna actually do the travel <laughs> why you i know you man i would do that for once a week we'd have to like film a whole season and you'd be like traveling for a bunch you don't travel well what do you mean i don't travel well
0: my God, I All travel. Right, come on, come on, wait a see. second. I travel better than you do. I I, I took the whole family to St. Martin. I was pleasant the whole
1: time. <laughs> let's go to the chat here, folks. We got from Leon. Well. My just, car insurance. I just don't
0: travel far. Yeah,
1: my car insurance <laughs> just shot up fourteen percent. No accidents, no points. Not a yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we're hearing stories like that. Yes. Um, we've got here, dad from Marky Mark saying, whoops, we'll come up on the screen. That is to be determined. Here we go. Yeah. Was there ever a time where cars were considered cheap? I think pre pandemic, they were still expensive, but it was a very different market than where we currently, you know, are. I can remember
0: when I first started in, in the business 1977 and I was at a, at a, at that time it was a Datsun. It was not Nissan yet. It was Datsun. And, um, we had the B210, which was our entry-level vehicle. Well, realistically, all the cars were entry-level. There, was, there wasn't there was really a nice one amongst them, but that's besides the point. And they had what they called the Honeybee, which was as base a, a B210 as you could get. Yeah. It was yellow, and it said Honeybee on it, and it had, like, uh, black bee wings on the side. Sounds pretty cool. Um and I, if I remember correctly, it was like seventeen hundred
1: 1700 yeah, and forty-nine dollars. $1,749? One seven four nine. Yeah, brand new car. In nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, wait, wait, brand new car. Brand brand math. new car.
0: Okay, and and if I remember correctly, I think I think there was about a forty-nine dollar profit margin built into the car.
1: <clears throat> forty-nine dollar. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's all look at the screen. So you are saying, Pops? Yes. And $1 in 1977 is worth $5 today. So how much was the car purse?
0: 1749 49 uh, No, $1,749. There you go. Times five. So today that car would be $8,800 in today's dollars.
1: There's nothing even close to that.
0: Not even close to double. Hit my hand one more time <laughs>
1: Don't pick your nail on, on, on YouTube. Jeez. So you used to sell. brand new trucks. I see it, yeah. Dad. Yeah,
0: I used to sell yeah, <laughs> the B210 <laughs> Honeybee.
1: The B210 Honeybee. Yeah. An $8,800 new car. In today's in world. In today's world. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. It, no, it hasn't existed for years. What's the cheapest option in the market right now? We just got rid of the Mitsubishi Mirage, which was what one, is the Nissan
0: Versa? No, Wait, so Mirage. let's
1: actually... Oh, yeah, the Versa, yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, let's come back here for a quick yeah. second. So 1977, the cheapest car you sold then was $17.49. Yeah. And that's eight, so it would be, what, like uh, $5,000 in that? I'm, I'm just trying to think where. Okay, so about a $5,000 car in 1977 is pretty much the cheapest car you can buy today. What could $5,000 get you back in 1977? Do you a remember? A lot more than a honeybee. What do
0: you remember? Um, you know, it, I... I think, got, I think that would have I think that would have gotten you uh, the the Dotson Five Ten, which was a pretty popular car. Um, you know, our, our it was interesting because our cheapest car was seventeen hundred forty nine dollars. Our most expensive car was like seven or seventy five hundred, which was a Z car, a two forty wow. Z, a two forty Z. Or, well, it was at that time it was a a, a, a two sixty or two eighty Z. Um, yeah, and you could get the two plus two model, which was um had the rear seat that well for for kids yeah um and and i i if I remember correctly, that was about seventy five hundred dollars so we wow. we we covered from seventeen hundred and fifty bucks
1: to seventy five hundred bucks, but I guess it's just so interesting to see that the price range in $1, nineteen seventy seven dollars so you're saying let's just do it again, yeah the cheapest car was seventeen forty nine which in today's dollars made us fifty bucks, forty nine dollars when we sold it. Which in today's dollars is eight thousand eight hundred and twenty two dollars. What was the most expensive? Seventy five. So we're saying eight thousand eight hundred dollars up to thirty seven thousand eight hundred dollars in today's dollars. Yeah. And that that was pretty much a Nissan dealership. It was Datsun, but it was pretty much
0: a was, ne- yeah, yeah. Well, well a now, couple
1: of years later, they changed their name. Well, okay, but now let's just humor me for a moment. Yeah. So the most expensive Nissan Datsun that you sold back in the seventies was thirty eight grand in today's dollars.
0: Well, back in nineteen
1: seventy seven. Yeah, back in nineteen seventy seven. Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah, we're going to the Car Edge car search, and we are doing Nissan, and we're just filtering by new. Already, we're not we're not even sorting by you know uh, price high to low. Here's a Frontier for forty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, an Aria for fifty seven thousand dollars. There's a Leaf at thirty eight thousand dollars, sixty one thousand dollar Nissan like. This is just the first page of results, Dad. And I hate to say one car so far, <laughs> yeah. sub $30,000. Yeah. Two, we got a kicks in at three. Yeah. This to me speaks volumes to the inflation in, in price that we've seen in, in the car market. They've just chosen to make more expensive vehicles.
0: Well, uh,
1: part of it that is, is interesting. Yeah. Part
0: of it, they've chosen to make more expensive vehicles. But another part of it is, is that the government has mandated that there's more safety features built into to vehicles. Uh, you know, I can assure you that a 1977 <laughs> Datsun honeybee did not have much in the way of safety
1: equipment. What backup camera did it have? Uh, yeah,
0: the you, one where you had to go like this? Yeah. You turned your head. Yeah. Okay. And what power windows did it have? It was when <laughs> you did train. this. Okay. Um, and, and if I remember correctly, the bumpers certainly weren't five mile per hour bumpers. <laughs> um, you know they were you hit something and you, it just you know there wasn't much to them Yeah. okay, but it was it was a different time, totally you know and 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 you know we didn't have ABS brakes and we didn't have all the safety features. We didn't have seat belts if I remember correctly. <laughs> I don't even think it came with seatbelts in 1977. At at least the shoulder strap. It was was just really a, a, A a, a, a different world. And it wasn't even... You can't even say that it was the infancy of the industry because the industry had started 80 years earlier. 70 years ago, yeah. Yeah. So it was... You can, you, I can only imagine what the car, I, I, I don't know. I remember, I remember in the fifties, my father was always a Rambler guy. And I remember. What's a Rambler? They eventually became American motors, um, but he was a Rambler. So we always had a Rambler. And I remember he, he taking me for a drive, having me sit on his lap while he's driving, steering there. There wasn't, there wasn't a soft piece of anything on the dashboard. If you had an accident, okay, nothing gave on those. Is that, cars. Is this it? Oh, yeah, they were rambling. Yeah, so nothing gave. The only thing that gave was your noggin, okay? <laughs> because there weren't seat belts. If you hit something, you just went flying forward into the windshield or the steering wheel, which didn't collapse at that time. So what collapsed was your you. chest. Oh, my God. Okay. And 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 my father, God bless him, I, I'm I'm ever so thankful we never had an accident, I'd be dead. Wow. Okay. But that so just in government mandates for safety alone are one of the reasons why cars have gotten as expensive as they have. But you would think we keep saying it, but apparently there is no market for it. You would think that there should be a market for some really relatively cheap vehicles with things like uh, roll your own windows. I mean, cars didn't have power steering back then. A lot yeah. of cars. Yeah. Okay. Everybody that drove them had big damn muscles. Um, you know, it was it was.
1: Tuned your own radio. It was it was pretty unique. Pops, let's come to the chat here, and then we've yeah. got our favorite segment of the show. Veronica, thank you for the contribution. Thank Veronica so is choosing between a 2018 Honda Fit EXL for $20,000 with taxes and fees, yeah. or a 2020 Mazda CX-5 for $27,500. Which one? Let's talk through a little bit the strategy, the way you would think about well, comparing these two. First off,
0: I would think the 2018 Honda Fit EXL. Um, that car in an EXL model in 2018 might have been 15 grand new, maybe, maybe 16 new. Yeah. Um, so that to me seems high. Now I'm not going to say to you that a CX-5. It depends on what model CX-5 because they only make about what a trim? dozen different models. Yeah. What trim? Um, I, Let's talk. I think obviously the CX 5 is a lot bigger vehicle than the fit totally. and a different style vehicle than the fit. Let's, but, let's, but we would need to know the trim level.
1: Yeah, we need, honestly, Veronica, feel free to toss the VINs in the chat and we can run some Car Edge reports and take a peek all together here. Let's just take a comment two comments. One thing yeah. is any used car, get a pre purchase inspection, Absolutely. caredge.com, and then search for pre purchase inspection. We have guides on how to do that or search here on YouTube. The other thing is to determine a fair price. That fit seems really expensive, but you have to run these market analyses cuz maybe that's the going rate for a fit.
0: Well, but you'd also need to know there's this is like one of those 10,000 piece jigsaw, jigsaw puzzles, puzzles that yeah. only have 9,996 pieces. You need to know things like trim level and on the fit we do. You need to know things like mileage. We need to know like history reports. Has it ever been in an accident? Things like that. So so it, it is it is truly hard to say which would be the better value, um, you know, but the deciding factor should be which one you like the most and is the most comfortable for you.
1: Well said, Pops. Well said. All right. Let's uh, pull up one comment here from Justice, and then we're going to do our favorite segment. He says, who else should Ray interview on a podcast? Yeah. Let's get some suggestions, some wish lists, who we should have. That Jim my dad, Farley? Jim Farley could be one of them. But, Pops, Take that sip of water, and then let's do it. Ah, really? You got to be kidding me. All right, so we've been talking today about affordability of vehicles. And from time to time, we've said some things tongue-in-cheek when automakers release their new EV plans, like the Cadillac Celestic, and they've got that at like $250,000. The, the Cadillac yes. Um, whatever the heck it's called. Yeah. But, Dad, look at this. Yes. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Evidently yes. seems to be the approach— over at Ram. Ram gives the 1500 TRX a proper send-off. The new final edition is $120,000. It is the beginning of the end of the Ram 1500 TRX, and the car maker is giving it a proper send-off by unveiling the final edition. Yeah, It is the final pickup truck version with a Hemi engine. Dad, I think Ram, and really Stellantis in general, has been a, a bit of a playbook here. They continue to come out with final editions, night editions. It's literally just some like different badges and the biggest freaking engine they can put in their car. Oh, sure. And they charge an arm and a leg for it.
0: Yeah. What do you make
1: of the fact that Ram's now going out with the TRX at $120,000 price point? It feels fitting, right? Fitting. Uh,
0: who, who wouldn't want to overpay for a Ram pickup truck? I mean obviously a specialized Ram pickup truck because it got extra badges man because it's got extra badges it's got that HEMI engine and in 20 or 30 years maybe 40 years <laughs> when you run that son of a gun through Barrett Jackson, Jackson you might be getting the quarter of a million dollars for it who knows just keep it in the garage never drive it you know there there are car collectors out there that that just they want to have stuff they they want to have it you know, they they buy stuff not to drive it, yeah, just to yeah. say they have it. Okay, I don't get it. You know, but basically, I I drive a car. Well, I I have a car, not really to drive it because I don't really put very many miles on. I don't know why the hell I buy a car, Um, but it just seems. It just seems for a mass market pickup truck, even though the TRX version of yeah, it is not specialized. It, it just seems kind of ridiculous. I, I know just everybody knows I drive a Mini. Well, if you don't know it, you know it now. Um, and and I drive a Mini Clubman. And next year's the end of the Mini Clubman again for this again the, again. Um, and and they are literally coming out with what they call the final edition. Now I can assure you that Mini's final edition. Clubman ain't going to be anywhere near 120,000 or 100,000 or, 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 you know, even 50,000. It, it's just you know, these manufacturers, they see things and they it's go, playbook, We can man. get away with this.
1: Cause, cause it, I'm telling you, it's a playbook. Stellantis had that Jeep. Three ninety two, I think, is what it's called. That has the huge engine and like eight hundred horsepower. It's a Jeep Wrangler yeah. with a bunch of yeah. bunch of engine, a uh, bunch of engine, a bunch of horsepower. Yeah, they did it with the Dodge muscle cars, saying it's going to be the final, you know, combustion engine muscle yes. cars. Get the special edition. They're doing it here. They've done it with the TRX already. Now they're doing the final edition of the TRX. And I really think it's a playbook. They look at it and they're like, "Wait, we just put some special badges on stuff. Yeah, and people will pay an arm and a leg. And we say there's only going to be a certain number of them." And there you go. And and if you do it really right, to get a
0: hundred, you, you number them. You, you say, Oh, that's exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. You say, Hey, there's going to be five hundred.
1: Or I don't know how down, many how many, God,
0: how many RAM dealers are there in the
1: country? They each get one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know. So if there's if there's two thousand or five, you know. Well, I got one of five thousand. You know, I remember when. At Acura, we had an NSX, and Alex Zanardi was a race car driver. Yeah. And they, they made the Zanardi edition NSX. There were 50 of them in the world, okay, 50, and they were all numbered. Oh, and by the way, Alex had number one, okay? <laughs> so there were 49 that were for,
1: for consumption. That's something where you can go. I got one of 50. But how weird is it to see mass market brands pull that? Ferrari does it, makes sense. An NSX, I got it. Yeah. A TRX, you know, final edition, a Jeep. Anyway, I just found it to be pretty fascinating, pretty, pretty interesting. Friendly reminder again, yeah. back at caredge.com, we're going to call out a, a particular resource, free resource today on the show. But I just want to remind everyone, save 20% on everything ends soon. $100 off on vehicle service contracts ends soon as well. That being said, we talked about the community forum as being one of our great resources. I'm going to choose another one today. We are working on, I'll pull on, I'll click on dealer reviews. Yes, We are working on dealer reviews 3.0, 4.0. That's currently in flight by our team. There are over 3,437 dealer reviews that have been submitted. So you're trying to find a good dealership to work with. Mm -hmm. Go under resources, click on dealer reviews, and we are working on a whole new interface for this just as well. And in the same breath, if you are interested, whether you're a car dealer or just one of our community members, CarEdge.com slash trusted. Go read about how we're working on the CarEdge Trusted Dealer Network. I'm going to show you something, Pops. Get your feedback live on the show. (laughs) We've already got a couple dealers that we're working with. I hope it's good,
0: my feedback.
1: All right. Here's the car edge promise. Yes. The dealer must abide and commit to the following pre-negotiated pricing, no hidden fees or add-ons delivery to a customer's home and allow a car edge concierge to facilitate the deal. How do you feel about that?
0: Um, As long as I'm not the concierge, (laughs) I think that's because, you know, because I'm planning on traveling to, to interview some industry insiders. Um, I, I, I think, I think it's the first step towards really trying to change the industry, to prove to dealers out there, and lucky for us, there's like 18,300 franchise dealers out there, so we've got a lot of opportunities ahead <laughs> of us. But it, it's it's our opportunity to prove to them that if you make your dealership similar to how. Tesla operates or CarMax operates in the sense that there's pre-negotiated pricing. There's no hidden fees. Um, They'll deliver a vehicle to your house, and you actually have someone at the dealership who is a specialized representative to facilitate all of that. That That is the recipe for actually changing the industry. Um, the good news is you have a lifetime's worth of work. Of you I do have because, a lot of work. Because, of because there's 18,300 franchise dealerships in America. Um, but the even better news is, is that ultimately we will bring the industry kicking and screaming into the 21st century so that consumers can have the type of experience that they're entitled to when they're spending the kind of money that they have to
1: spend. And hopefully, honestly, dealerships can operate even more efficiently. Like you don't have, like imagine a world where you're not having to negotiate. How great would that be? And we set the pricing. We make sure that it's fair. Our car edge report (laughs) shows you that you're not getting ripped off. You might not get the unicorn deal, but you're getting a fair price. That is I was I'm putting you on the spot here. This yeah. is the first time you've seen this on the website. So I just wanted to get your take on it. There's a couple other things on here that we could talk about, but we'll save that. We'll save that for another show.
0: No, I I just it's it's it it's just it's about time. That's all. It's about time, damn it.
1: Oh, yay, we get to help Veronica out. We'll end the show with this. Veronica, thank you for the contribution. You do not have to contribute to get yes. our car buying help. Go to the community forum. That being said, yes. We got some VINs here, so let's do it. It is tricky, I just want to comment to everyone, so as you see me struggling here for a moment, it's impossible to copy and paste out of the YouTube comments, so give me a second to write down these VINs. And I'll show everyone here, I'll show everyone what I'm doing as we're doing it. So I'm gonna log in to my CarEdge account. We're gonna help Veronica figure out what's a fair price here. I'm gonna go to the CarEdge report, and I am going to now start to copy this VIN. 3HGG. K5H09JM710332. Okay, so this is the Honda Fit, Dad. <laughs> hopefully, okay, I, Yeah, hopefully I didn't get a typo. Okay, it seems like it's working. Well, until it's not. Oh, hey, come on. It seems like it's working. The good news is you still have seven reports left. Okay, so this is being sold by an independent dealer, Auto Savvy, in Gilbert, Arizona. Oh, yeah. 20, oh I, I, I,
0: I don't know. I don't know auto savvy. It's only twenty three thousand miles. Yeah, that seems rather low for an eighteen.
1: It does. Okay, yeah. so they're asking eighteen thousand. Our algorithm thinks there's about a thousand dollars in negotiability there. Wow, look at this. Yeah. Eight similar vehicles are listed for sale, but this makes sense. Within a yeah. thousand miles, the average seller price is twenty thousand dollars. The average mileage is forty seven thousand. Well, it's a twenty eighteen. That makes sense. Yeah. So they're actually advertising a lower price than the competitors. Let's look at what those other options are. Let me come down here really quickly. So here are your other options. We've got Austin, Texas cars and trucks. Oh
0: yeah, It's got 116,000 miles.
1: This one. <clears throat> so, the, so this seems, based on mileage and price, relative yes. to others in the market, seems competitively priced yeah it doesn't mean it's doesn't mean it's a fair value but it seems competitively priced the next thing i would want to look at that let's actually go to the listing so they've had it for 78 days i'm going to go to the dealer website so let's come down here i'm just curious if they have the carfax i'm not seeing a carfax yeah, I'm not seeing a Carfax. So that's, that. my spidey sense is saying, go look at the Carfax. Yeah. What's on the vehicle history for this Honda Fit? That's where my mind goes. What about you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I, I mean, listen, if if the person that had the Honda Fit was like me and drives like me, then, yeah, that, that
1: can be legitimate miles. Well, but it also has low miles and in it's insanely because, low price relative to others in the market. And if
0: it has low miles, because, I don't know, it, it had a it had a major accident and it was repaired um that'd be something else altogether.
1: All right, so then the other one that veronica is looking at that is a 2018 grand touring yes. Mazda. so let's jump back to the car edge report here let's hope that i got that vin correct oh you've got six more reports that <laughs> i know a guy who yeah. might be able to get me some you more. know a guy who knows a guy All right, so this is for the Mazda, the CX-5 Grand Touring, 43,000 miles. This is at Easy Keys Autos in Houston. We think there's about $1,400 off of the seller price on this one. Okay, let's look at this. There are nine similar, so this would be Grand Touring CX-5, 2020 Grand Touring CX-5s for sale within 200 miles. Their average asking price is 23811 and an average. So they're over. They're high on yeah, price. And what was vehicle. the miles on the vehicle? 43. Okay. And then wo- those that have sold recently have sold at $24,350 with an average mileage of 41. So these two data points tell yeah. me that their asking price is a little high. That's what that's telling me. And then if we come down below, yeah, they're 9 out of 10 on price. Yeah and they've been holding on to it the longest of the market. I'm saying that this one's the better value because it's a re, it's a oh this is a 2018. I thought you said it was a 2020. 2020, yeah. I thought she said it was a 2020.
0: Yeah, she did in the uh, oh but now it's, a, oh, it's 2018. a 2018. Yeah, before it was a 2020 in the first question.
1: Oh man, I think I'm going I think I'm going fit well, you with need, a vehicle history report. you need to know you need to know about that fit. You need to know everything that's there. Well, absolutely, but I think yeah. this what I'm seeing with this one, Dad, is they're ninth out of tenth on price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're ten out of ten, in so they've they've been holding on to it for a while, but they haven't really come down on price. That says to me they're not really interested in selling it.
0: Yeah, and they're two different markets. One is in Gilbert, Arizona, and one is in Texas.
1: So which one are you telling Veronica? Which one you point her towards? Or what, do you, what is the next step you're telling Veronica to do? Vehicle history reports on both. Yes, exactly. And if the vehicle history report for the fit comes back clean, I'm probably looking at that one, personally. I would. I, yeah,
0: but no a PPI to
1: is – And is, a pre-purchase yes, inspection. Yeah, very, very important. Hopefully, yeah, we see the comments in the uh, – yeah, thank you, Leon. Absolutely get a pre-purchase yes. inspection. Hopefully that's helpful for everyone to see. That's how we use the tools that we've built over the past couple of years to actually identify, you know, like what's a fair value sure. to pay for our car. Okay, let's call it a show. Okay. We'll be back tomorrow.
0: Um, that's my plan. I don't know about you, but that's my plan. All right.
1: Yeah, I'll be here.
0: I'll be here noon Eastern,
1: 9 Pacific. Ooh. Good comments from the chat. Auto Savvy says, auto savvy says salvage title cars.
0: Well, that's why you need a, a – right uh, yeah. You don't
1: even need a pre- PPI for that one. You're just avoiding Auto Savvy. So the Auto Savvy was the fit. We are avoiding a fit with well, salvage you title. Well,
0: we need to know if it has a salvage If it does, if it yeah. does. Absolutely, it's not worth ten cents. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's worth, worth more than ten cents,
1: cents but, but in, in, in my opinion, yes. In your opinion, yes. In my opinion, we'll be back tomorrow.
0: Yeah, at uh, eight a.m. Anchorage time, six a.m. in Honolulu, and for all of our followers and fans in Manila, once again, it'll be midnight in Manila, ladies and gentlemen, for news that you can snooze. <laughs> <laughs>